You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi and welcome to Market Talk and Brexit Update. It's Tuesday, September the 3rd and I'm Gavin O'Carroll from AIB's Treasury Dealing Room. Joined today by Oliver Mangan, our Chief Economist. Ollie going straight to our Brexit updates uh, and then the Irish economy and then we'll finish with the US dollar and where that's at. Ollie, the high stakes Brexit gamble by the Tories is coming to a serious and critical head this week. It is a big week for the UK. Will you bring listeners up to speed? Yeah, well, Parliament reconvenes today uh, after the summer recess. And obviously we had the surprise announcement that caught everybody off guard last week that uh, the UK government, Boris Johnson, intends to suspend Parliament from next week until the 14th of October. That's a five-week spell. So what that does is it greatly narrows the window in terms of Parliament's efforts to try and prevent a no-deal Brexit. So this week, all the indications are that between Tory rebel MPs and the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats, they're going to attempt to pass legislation to try and prevent a no-deal Brexit at the end of October. It's important to understand just passing a motion in Parliament does not, the government can ignore that. What they can't ignore is legislation. So the opposition party has to find some means in the next two or three days of passing legislation that constrains the ability of the Tory government to exit the EU at the end of October without a deal. The feeling is that if they come back, if they don't move this week, then they're suspended for five weeks, they come back on the 14th of October, you have the Queen's speech, the debate and that could last a week. So you're running out of time at that stage to prevent a no-deal Brexit if that's where the UK is heading for. So this is a huge week in UK politics. It's a huge week in terms of Brexit. And we may have some clarity by the end of the week in terms of where we're going. I mean, there's many routes here. You know, the government does control the timetable and uh, the legislative process in the UK, so it's hard for Parliament to gain control of that. But the Speaker is fairly disposed, so they may succeed. If that route fails, there's talk of no confidence motion in the government uh, and bringing down the government. That could lead to a general election or it could lead to the formation of a new government. So there's much uncertainty about what will happen in the coming days. But as you say, it's absolutely a critical period now in terms of the Brexit process. What I will say is that the markets in the UK have been remarkably calm and sterling has you know, shown regained ground really in recent weeks. You know, we're at 93p and uh, over the last few weeks the euro has come back towards 90p. Now, uh, I think there's been a fair bit of volatility within that. Mm. We can see a lot, we can expect a lot of volatility this week. You look at the stock market, it's, you know, it's well underpinned. You look at interest rate futures in the UK, I mean, if they're really heading for a no-deal Brexit, the Bank of England will be slashing rates and quite quickly. In fact, what's priced into the UK is just one rate cut early next year, reflecting the global slowdown and weak economic data in the UK, not Brexit-related per se. So you know, the markets seem convinced that we will avoid a no-deal hard Brexit at the end of October. 58 days' time, Ali. Yeah, but, but the odds of that happening are rising. And I say, you know, this week should give clarity in that regard. So we could see sterling move out. Quite a volatile week for sterling. Uh, Monday, you know, it weakened early in the morning. It could regain ground again. It will be driven by the ebb and flow of information around what the likely success the opposition will have in terms of moving those, moving that legislation, or alternatively, no confidence motion, whatever shape or form it takes, closing down that route towards a no deal Brexit at the end of uh, October. So the word is proroguing. That's how they've got to suspend Parliament. Yep. And five weeks is the term. The best analogy I've heard over the weekend actually was 
whereby uh, when the police are chasing uh, another car, they throw down those stingers in front of the car. So it seems like they've been, the opposition have had this gauntlet thrown down in front of them and that they've only got days to get legislation potentially through Parliament. It looks like they're going to have to mount the pavement here so and take unusual action. The time is against them, but they seem confident. We'll just have to wait over the next two or three days to see how this unfolds. And then... What results from it? I mean, would Labour... Remember what we have here now, that the, the, the we have a five-year fixed term in the UK in terms of Parliament. The government requires a two-thirds majority of us to call a general election. Labour have to think, would a general election on this issue uh, work well for them at the present time? Uh, we know Labour have been looking for a general election for quite some time. Or would they try and form an alternative administration with support from, you know, rebel Tory MPs? So... You know, there's a lot of uncertainty about how this will fall, unfold in the coming days. But by the weekend, we may have you know, some clarity in terms of where we're heading with Brexit at the end of October. It's not right to say it's a huge week. I mean, it's uh, mentioned in the, the Times yesterday that Johnson has threatened to kick out all rebel Conservative MPs from the party uh, if they are actually not towing the line on what he's trying to do. So really, he's trying to go and tighten his grip around both the Tories yeah. and the Commons if well, he goes for a general election. Well, he has a point to some extent. I mean, we've had deadlock in Parliament for three years and while the may move this week to block a no-deal, Parliament still hasn't decided what it wants on Brexit. Does it want a no-deal Brexit? Does it want a soft Brexit? Does it want to hold a referendum again? So Boris Johnson could well reasonably argue that we need a new Parliament here. We need, we need a new election and a Parliament that will come to a decision on Brexit and soon. I think that's a very reasonable argument to make. And the only way we can have that is to have a general election. But as I say, since 2011, there's a fixed term Parliament for five years yeah. and it requires a two-thirds vote in the House of Parliament to hold a general election for that five-year period. So we had one you know, three years ago when uh, Theresa May and Corbyn came on board and agreed they'd have a general election. So Labour would have to acquiesce here in terms of the f- for a general election to be called. And they've been looking for it for quite some time. They may feel this is not quite the right moment. I see Tony Blair has been advising against it. So there's a lot of uncertainty around, out there in terms of what might happen. We could go on probably for the next 20, 25 minutes and talking about this, but despite all this turmoil, I think Johnson's uh, envoy, David Frost, he's going in with the EU negotiating teams and that's stepping up a gear this week. Ali, uh, thanks for the Brexit updates and let's move to impacts potentially on the Irish economy. You have an article in the Irish Examiner today just in terms of where the Irish economy is. Yeah, well, the Irish economy has lost momentum this year, partly reflecting a slowdown in the global economy, especially in the manufacturing sector, and also, you know, Brexit uncertainty is impacting on activity here. We've seen a sharp fall in consumer confidence. We've seen a slowdown in manufacturing activity. The AIB PMI manufacturing data for August show weakness in orders out of the UK, a dip in confidence as well. So overall, the economy is performing quite well. I mean, it's still growing at a very solid pace, but not quite at the pace we've seen in recent years. So it's a slower pace of growth this year, really reflecting international events and ongoing Brexit uncertainty. Okay, so I mean, we've got that podcast on the Irish Manufacturing and Services PMI released tomorrow, Wednesday. You also were talking to me this morning just about the dollar. Look, we, we've got the economic data this week that's that's mainly centred around the Irish PMIs we just referred to. Also, we've got the non-farm payrolls this Friday. This is a good moment to actually discuss the US economy briefly, but more importantly, the dollar. It's the litmus test for where the US economy is. Yeah, well, firstly, the, the US employment report, which you say gives us non-farm payrolls and the unemployment rate, etc., it's the main economic release on the U.S. economy, and it's out on Friday. I think, you know, 
the US economy has been impacted by the global trade war, particularly with China. And as in Ireland, there's a slowdown, particularly in the manufacturing sector. But notwithstanding that, the US economy continues to perform quite well. And we've had very decent jobs growth so far this year. I think the forecast is around 160,000 for jobs growth next Friday in the month of August. You know, the employment rate has fallen to 50-year lows, 3.7%. And we've seen the dollar actually perform reasonably well over the summer. And there was, certainly was a noticeable move on Friday evening. I mean, the euro has been weak as well because of, you know, expectations that we're going to move into deeper negative territory in terms of interest rates in the eurozone. And what we've seen over the summer is the euro, I would say, drifting lower against the dollar. And it was at 114 back in early June. It's come down 113, 112, 111. And then on Friday evening, uh, you know, it, it's, it was a bank holiday in the Monday in the UK, uh, sorry, in the US. So we had a lot of position squaring ahead of, ahead of the weekend, on in month. And there was a noticeable dip down in the euro, fell below 110 uh, in late trading on, on Friday. So that's you know, the lowest level in a couple of years. But I would say, I mean, there's a lot of support for the euro around 108, 109, 110. It spent a lot of 2015, 2016 trading at those sort of levels. So I don't think we're looking at a collapse or anything like that in the euro, but it is under pressure and it has been drifting lower. And while the Fed has been cutting rates, it's from relatively high levels. I mean, rates are still over 2% in the, in the US. And next week, there's an expectation that the ECB could cut rates by 10 to 20 basis points. So they're already negative, minus 40, they could go to minus 50, minus 60 basis points. So those negative interest rates are a big headwind for the euro against the dollar. When you're getting around 2% in US rates and you're getting you know, negative rates in the eurozone, it, we have seen that act as a major constraint on the euro in recent years. I mean, the euro's hardly moved above 120 in the last five years, ever since those negative rates come into play. And if we're moving deeper into negative territory in terms of European rates, it's hard to see the euro making much ground against the dollar. But as I say, it's the US is cutting rates. There's a lot of technical support of 108, 109, 110. I don't see that fall we saw on Friday evening triggering a further markdown like the currency. But, it, you know, it is going to remain under pressure in the near term. There's no doubt about that, as long as the ECB is on this easing path and US rates remain relatively high compared to elsewhere. I think we'll touch on the ECB next week and when we get a chance I appreciate that thank you to our customers colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's Market Talk check back for our latest podcast by pressing the subscribe button to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Androids talk soon Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.